Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito I know that you're a noted hot take artist uh, for your extremist opinions and just your general need for attention. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So, okay, so to be real, instead of maybe the absolute scorching hot takes, uh, how about just some lukewarm takes on things that people might not be expecting for the season that, that you're kind of thinking might happen? And, I, and I've got a few that I've planned out. I hope I can make sense of these and get them out there the right way. But I've got a few ready to go. It, it is and funny. Uh, when, when you think hot take, I don't think either you or me is the person you would picture. Um, it's not really what we do necessarily, but uh, it should be kind of fun. And uh, we'll call them warm takes. I think I like that um, perspective that you've put out there. Um, do you want me to go first or do you want to leave this thing off? We can. I have go a bunch that I may have more than you, so maybe... Yeah, you go first. I'll go then. first just yeah, so that, fire away. that we can stagger them a little bit better. <laughs> fire away. I guess my first one is I don't think the Hawks are going to win as many games as people are expecting. That That's that's it there. Like They could actually, if things fall wrong, like win fewer games this year than they won last year. People are going to be mad at you about this one. Um, in, in, my, in my experience... <laughs> Anyway, I know you. I know you were not actively podcasting over the summer, um, at least once summer league and all that Uh-oh. stuff ended. Um, but I, I did a lot of previewish discussions with people, and uh, even my general prediction of uh, spoiler alert, which was thirty-four wins. I've said that a couple times in print. Which is and five, you're saying that that's five more than last year. Yeah, that's five more than last year, uh-huh. and even I have been called a hater for that prediction. <laughs> So people are going to get really mad at you. In fact, I, I did a pod with Nate Duncan, um, the Dunked On podcast, where Nate picked 30 uh, wins, Uh-oh. which I thought was reasonable, but people got very upset with him. So explain explain a little bit of, of why you think they might. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't think you're crazy, by the way. I think there are certainly scenarios that people don't want to think about where the Hawks struggle more than you might think. But what, what's your rationale towards them when maybe winning a little bit fewer than people want to predict? And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that the Hawks have done any wrong things. I think they're going about everything the right way. Uh, and one of the things that they're doing is they're upping Trey Young's burden. I mean, they're going to get him reps. They're going to get him experience. Uh, he's going to be an even more integral part of the team this season than he was last season. They're going to, you know, theoretically probably going to try to get him more minutes. Uh, but he doesn't really have a backup, and I understand why he doesn't have a backup. But at the same time, you know, the doomsday scenario is if 
he misses any significant time, this team suddenly changes a lot. Um, and there, there aren't really any uh, Trey Young clones on this roster. There's no one who really plays anywhere <laughs> near the way he plays. So if you're looking down the bench and trying to figure out who's going to replace Trey Young, there really isn't that person. Um, so that, that's kind of the doomsday scenario where I think they could win fewer games. Generally speaking, I think they'll win more games than they did, just not that many more games because, you know, one thing I'm worried about right now is just the total volume of shooting on the team. And again, I yep. think this is a good thing for the development of Trey Young and John Collins. They're going to have to learn how to manufacture points out of that pick and roll with just less space around them. Um, you know, Herter and, and DeAndre Hunter could turn out to be perfectly fine shooters. And they may give Trey Young and John Collins lots of space, but if you go 1 through 12 or 1 through 15 on the roster, there just isn't that much shooting. And there may have to be some staggering where guys like Herter and Hunter play more with the bench. And uh, Trey Young and John Collins, you know, they might be playing in more compact space than they did last season if they're playing you know, more time with. Uh, with guys who aren't as good as shooters as Dwayne Dedman and Torian Prince were. Uh, you can say a, a bunch of things about Torian Prince and Dwayne Dedman, but I think you have to... You, I mean, I, the NBA, one of the things that is extremely good at for statistics is determining who's a good shooter and who isn't, and I think it's very <laughs> clear that Prince and Dedman were outstanding shooters for their position. Um, the Hawks haven't really replaced them with any kind of shooting. The guys that have come in, Damian Jones, uh, Evan Turner... Even Jabari Parker, they're not going to be the same quality shooter. And, you know, guys like Cam Reddish, I think he's going to be fine in the long run. Uh, but, you know, what's he going to be like as a shooter and a spacer this season if he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Uh, you know, it's just going to be really interesting to watch. And the defense might be better, but I think I tried to make. <laughs> I think we maybe we talked about this after we hung up last night. I was talking with Tyler, but I just think offense is more important than defense in the NBA at this point. I mean, to win a championship, you have to have both, but I kind of feel like offense has more influence, and the Hawks were a damn good offense by the end of last season, and I think they've taken a step back from then, at least temporarily. Yeah, I, I sort of framed a question to Lloyd Pierce like that on Friday that he didn't seem to like the premise of. Wait, about the fact that I sort of framed a question to Lloyd Pierce on Friday about that kind of thing um, that he didn't like the premise of, I don't think, about how I said that they kind of reached some heights offensively last year. Um, <laughs> and, and after you said that, I read something that he said in the offseason where he was just talking about what a good offense they had been. So I think he was just kind of downplaying it heading into training camp. Yeah, and that, he, he I knows wasn't, they were a good offense. He, I think he so, was too. Just I, you know, yeah, I think that's just a little bit of coach speak there, and I totally get it. But to, to your point, I agree. You know, It's definitely an offense first league. Competing at the highest level, though, I think defense is very, very important. Even last year, you know, most of the attention, and of course, this is the absolute highest level, but most of the attention on, on the Raptors was about Kawhi. But if you watch that team in the playoffs, their defense was incredible. Sure, like, they just they they got incre They had no weaknesses defensively. They were playing seven, eight, nine guys who could all really defend, and that might just be somewhat of an outlier, but still, it's important to have that. But yeah, I mean, to your point, the offense, there's a lot of talent yeah, on the, this offense. The example I used for Tyler was. Uh... You know, like a team like Portland versus a team like Utah, I just think a team like Portland 
can win a playoff series or two, and a team like Utah is always just going to be kind of clawing to win in seven games. Yeah, particularly if you're relying on a big like like mm-hmm. Utah does. Yeah. Like that's that's sort of an outlier to some degree because Gobert is you know such a specialist in that way defensively. But <laughs> it is uh he's he's also very good on offense by the way, um, low key. But yeah, it's I, I totally agree with you. But you know to your point about the offense, there's talent on this offense for sure. But I agree with you wholeheartedly on the spacing questions. There are a lot of guys who are going to play minutes on this team that flat out cannot shoot. Um, there are at least there are at least, I don't know, three, I would imagine. I know the Hawks said that Damian Jones is going to shoot, but until we see him do that, I'm going to assume he can't. Um, and, and, then, and he's uh, not going to have gravity until he's done it no, for a while. I mean, so even, if he got, space, even, even if he makes them, he's he's not spacing the floor per se yet. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw, we saw that with Alex Lane early last season where he started to make some shots, but early in the year he was not getting guarded out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shouldn't have been. He hadn't proved that he could do that, and now, now he can. But, you know, between Turner – and Bembry and, you know, Jones and Fernando, you got some guys who are questionable shooters at best or all the way down to Turner, who's just a flat-out bad shooter. Um, you know, those four guys then, I think you mentioned Jabari. You know, Jabari's been a hot and cold shooter. I think he has a little bit of gravity based on his scoring, mm-hmm. but not a dynamic floor spacer. And the rookies, I think both of those guys are going to shoot it in Hunter and Reddish, but how well they shoot it early on is definitely up for debate. And Alan Crabb is... You know, aside from Kevin Herter, is your one like specialist level shooter, and he may not play for a while. So, you don't have a ton of spacing, I would say. So that's uh, I tend to agree with you on how the offense might sputter. And I, I know I know you said it, but you know, not winning a ton more than last year wouldn't you know be the end of the world. I think it'll be approached that way in some circles if it happens. Right. But I mean, th- they they got even younger. They lost you know, one of their top three players in Dwight Devin from last season without really replacing him with anyone of that quality. Like, it wouldn't be crazy if they didn't make this big leap. Um, individually, I think you'll see some leaps. But, you know, throw in, throw in a trio of rookies that are all probably going to play real minutes. At least two of them, I'd imagine, are going to play a lot. And then yeah, Pierce said today, uh, he's like, you know, the, these young guys are going to play through their mistakes. And he wasn't talking about, you know, Trey Young and John Collins. He was talking about the young, young guys. Yeah, like and they Hunter should. And Reddish. And, and exactly, that's the motivation. Is They're not trying to win a championship this year. They're trying to win a championship down the line. Getting those young guys experience this season will pay off later. They're going to play them. If they're bad, they're still going to play them. So And that could lead to more losses. That, um, could, that could lead to more losses. And again, you, know, you want Trey Young and John Collins to take a step in the right direction. That's important you know, for what the Hawks are doing. But at the same time, you know, Having a trade, uh, having a trade asset or a draft asset at the end of the season because you didn't get that many wins, you know, going into an off season where you're trying to make a play with some exceptional cap space, a pretty nice city, and some exceptional young talent on the roster, having having a draft pick to kind of balance things in your favor in the right deal might be a good thing to have. Yeah, this is their last chance. I mean, you, you would hope this is, this is their last chance at a lottery pick during this run. That that should be, in my opinion, what Hawks fans are hoping for, is that you know this year, yeah, if you make a run of the playoffs, there's nothing wrong with that by any means. But if you don't, you get one more crack at the lottery, and then beyond this year, the expectation you would imagine is going to be playoffs from from this point forward. So it wouldn't be the worst thing to get in that mix again, and maybe you get a lot luckier than last year. Last year you got very unlucky in the lottery. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But having, having another top 10, top 12 pick wouldn't 
you know, wouldn't hurt the process, we should say. So, yeah, I think uh, overall to your to your first warm take, I'm on board with that. I mean, I, I, I picked 34 publicly, so I have to stick with that. But I, I do think that, you know, low 30s is not unreasonable whatsoever, um, particularly, you know, as you said, with Trey Young, if Trey misses, I'm trying to not say this too much because Trey was very durable last season and that's mm-hmm. to his credit. But if he misses 20 games, you know, they can't score. It, right. like, they, I mean, they're not, maybe they're not as bad as the absolute dregs of the league without Trey Young, but they're definitely in that bottom tier if you take Trey off the roster for any length of time. So, I mean, he's not a vertical athlete, so I think just by the nature of his game, he's going to be less prone to injury. Yep. Uh, you know, he kind of in the John Stockton mode, mold. Uh, you know, I think he's going to be very durable over the course of his career. I think he's transformed his body in the summer. I think he's going to be very durable. It's just kind of a what if to worry about, uh, given their depth. Yeah, it's, that's as you as I, as I believe as I believe you said it. That is the disaster scenario. Is any, yeah. any injury to Trey is about as bad as it gets because you know Collins they really hurt last year without Collins early in the season, um, and obviously he would be number two on that list. But I think Trey is a runaway number one of guys you just can't be without for any length of time. So there you go. And on the uh, other side. There's the Eastern Conference. That's kind of the one thing that makes me nervous. The Hawks, if they were in the West, I'd be, feel very confident about saying that a lottery pick was coming in the East. I don't know. And it seems like we've been saying this for years, but Boston's kind of been nerfed. Uh, Kawhi is a Los Angeles Clipper. I don't know. I just, there's just... It yeah, how many like how many teams do you trust? Goes west. How many, yeah, I know. I mean, we, I mean, that's kind of the question. I think somebody asked me that on a podcast not that long ago that I was doing as a as a visitor, and I was. It's tough to get to. Are there eight teams that I think are better than the Hawks? Yeah, there are. But at the same time, you know, the the trustworthy teams where you just flat out project them to make the playoffs is probably six. So it's not are that you long. Counting list. Orlando in there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I think we can probably assume Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto, Boston. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's probably where I would stop in terms of the that's absolute loss. Yeah. I'm lower on Indiana. I, don't, I know people are higher than Indiana. I am not super high. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I'm picking them to make the playoffs. But would it stun me if they didn't? No, it wouldn't. I think there are four teams in the East that – it would stun me if they didn't make the playoffs and it's the ones I just named. Sure. Then you get in, then you get into Indiana, Brooklyn, Orlando, Miami, maybe Detroit. I, I um, feel pretty good about Miami. I, I think Butler. Is yeah. I mean, I, for me, it's what it's for me. It's Butler. Like if Butler is healthy, then they're right. making the he playoffs. He has to be healthy. Mm-hmm. If he's, if he's not, then all bets are off. That's so, true. and he's had enough injury stuff where I'm not as sold, but same sure. thing could be said for Detroit with, with Blake Griffin. So, um, yeah. Anyway, we're off the rails already, but yeah, it's. I, I think that again, no one should be stunned if the Hawks win 39 games and make the eight seed. That that's not going to stun anybody, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not picking that just to be clear. But that yeah. is within the range of outcomes. I think the standard deviation for the Hawks is pretty wide this year. I agree. All right, it's your turn. Oh yeah, bring the um, smoke. This is a little bit more abstract, so my apologies. But this is the one that I've put out there um, once already. But I want to say it again now. My my sort of off-court prediction for this year Uh-oh. is that the Hawks uh, take on 
a multi-year salary during the season in terms of a trade. Whoa. I think the Hawks are going are going to tr- are going to trade for someone that that goes beyond this summer in terms of their contract. Now, it's a lot more fun if you start attaching names, but you know, without intel I'm not going to try to do that necessarily, but I think if you look at, if you look at the landscape, there's a real opportunity for the Hawks as the team with pretty much the most cast base in the league entering the summer mm-hmm. to capitalize on that in what's going to be a bad free agent class, maybe take on a player that is slightly overpaid, but is also useful. That kind of archetype makes some sense. You could also take on a salary dump. I know so when you the Hawks say this, probably... sorry, Go ahead. I thought I caught you in the dead space. Okay. What, what sort of length of contract are you talking about? Like something where they take on something that's through next year or something where they take think... on more than that. Because, you know, taking yeah. it on through next year, as you mentioned, it's kind of a down free agent class. So it doesn't seem like that would be any real penalty there. Are you, are you thinking that it might be something where they take on stuff beyond next season? For me to get it to beyond next season, it has to be a, a good, like a useful player. Like for, that, would be the, that would be the way that you could sort of justify that is maybe you get a guy who's overpaid, but someone who can play basketball. Like kind of what the Bulls did last year with Otto Porter. Like it won't be Otto Porter, but someone who I think Otto Porter is like slightly overpaid, but he's a good basketball player on a contract that, you know, you can kind of pencil in as being, again, a slight overpay, but not entirely unreasonable. And that was a good asset grab, I think, by the Bulls to like get a guy they needed for the future. Um, and if that if, if that's your premise, that'd be the only way that I would go past next year, like past 2021. Um but, you know, there are definitely a lot of things that they could do within this season to, you know, it's something that, that Swank's done before, but not a pure salary dump necessarily, but it could be a salary dump. They could take on one of those multi-year deals like that go to the next year that's, that's pretty bad salary in exchange for a first-round pick. And people wouldn't like that. But if you look at this thing, like, honestly, my overarching opinion is that the Hawks are not going to spend $75 million in contracts that you want to spend next summer. They're just not that many guys out there that you're going to want to sign to where they're going to use all of that space on free agent signings. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe you disagree, but that's kind of where I'm starting with this. So if you, if you operate that way and say, look, are we going to spend $75 million in free agency knowing that aside from Anthony Davis, who isn't probably going to be available, there's not a single guy on the market that I want to give a max contract to. Might as well be open to it. And again, I might be wrong here, but you might you might as well be open to taking it on a multi-year salary if 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 it's advantageous to you. And you know, Schleich's done this a couple of times now. That the the Torian Prince Alan, Alan Crabtree was the latest example. But going back to Jamal Crawford, and there's they've they've been willing to do that as a rebuilding team. And I think if again, this is probably going to be the last time that they can do a deal like this. You're hoping that you make the next step and you have to start thinking about paying Collins and all that fun stuff in the future. So if you want to do a deal that's more of an asset grab, that's also the good time to be doing that as well. So I know that's kind of abstract and it's a lot of different scenarios, but I think the simple way to put it is that the Hawks are going to make a trade. This is my warm take. They will make a trade that is not just for expiring contracts. It's going to be something that's going to be beyond the team beyond the season. Okay. I can buy all of that. I, I'd be skeptical that it goes a whole lot beyond 20, 2021. That's such a tight twister because then you really want to say 2020, 2021, which is like, <laughs> ugh. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's going to have to be a really... I think I don't think it happens for beyond 2020-21 unless it's a not just a good player, almost like an exceptional player. You, you mentioned Otto Porter. I would actually put the bar a little bit higher than that. Not not just to differ on one player, but I just think sort of a different category of player. But other than that... Yeah, yeah. he's just an example that's like very recent of something right. that was kind of like this, where Chicago, mm-hmm. I think, knows deep down that he's overpaid but no one was going to criticize that really because like he's still good he, like, yeah. he can play like i've heard andre drummond bandied about by that's not that's not what i would do right but hawks fans have tossed that around as someone who might be interesting to go out and target um i don't i think he's going to probably opt out of his player option he'll be a free agent anyway but that maybe that level player like a little bit higher than Otto porter and again i would not do that with andre drummond i don't think he's a great fit but He's more that like almost fringe all-star kind of type player that you might consider that maybe isn't long for Detroit. I wish Kevin Love's contract was two years shorter because he'd be the perfect he'd be the perfect one. Who is it? Because Kevin Love. Kevin Love. Like his contract's too long. Like that's a four-year deal that you would not want to do. You would not want to take on. But I think that kind of player who is overpaid but still very good. What if it was like uh, Blake Griffin? I mean, if, if things go really badly for Detroit this season, that really changes your calculus as the Hawks, because suddenly if you're training for Blake Griffin, you're trying to win like yeah. sooner rather than later. Um, but I mean, that's not unreasonable. Blake's not got, win, like win a championship, but you, you kind of want but win. Like, you want really young win. and Collins to the experience of, OK, you made it to the second round of the playoffs. You know, what did you learn from that? Yeah, that's not that's not crazy. I think, you know, Blake's got effectively two years left because he has a player option at the end. So right. it's a three-year deal starting yeah. this year. So two years 20, beyond that. 21-22. He's, he's so good that, you know, you couldn't – I wouldn't just dismiss that out of hand, even though, again, that's a lot of money, and I think that speeds you up in a way that they've been careful not to do mm-hmm. so far. But Blake is a legitimate all-star level player, and if you maybe get some ownership pressure or something like where it's like, all right, it's time to win <laughs> – uh, that might be one. That might be a guy who makes some sense in that scenario. Again, I'm not projecting that by any means, but that that does make sense to what you said. Like someone who fits all the criteria. Like I said, like slightly overpaid, but really good and would really help you right away and like wouldn't cripple you. And I think he checks all those boxes. Okay. Back to you, Kevin. Oh, it's time. Which one? You have which a longer one, list than one? I do, I'm sure. So. Yeah. Uh... All right, how about this one? John Collins is going to play more center than he did last year. Ooh, I hope that's true. <laughs> so, let's see. They put this sort of thing on basketball reference, correct? Uh, it is on there. It's it's definitely an estimate and they will be the first pre- they'll be the oh, first people sure. to tell you that for estimate. sure. But yeah, yes, I've definitely seen things that some weirdness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But as a as a just kind of going by what, from what they have, they actually have that he played 60% power forward as a rookie and then 82% of his time at power forward last year. That, uh, that feels close to that, right. That, I that think. sounds about right. He played more center as a rookie for sure than he did last year. And I think it's going to go back to more like what he did as a rookie. I think he's going to spend maybe 40% of his time at center. That would be a lot. 40% is a lot because if you figure – Raw minutes, you know, even yeah. if you project him to play more, you know, like last year he played about 30. I think they've been kind of candid in saying he's probably going to play a little bit more than that. So maybe 32, 33. 40% of that is, you know, 
you're talking about 15 minutes a game almost yeah. at center. That's I a just, lot. I think there are a lot of factors that go into this. Uh, for starters, you know, we already went through the whole shooting thing. And I just think that, you know, one of the ways that they can get more shooting if they need it is to play a shooting power forward. You know, names we haven't mentioned yet. I and mean, it could be they go to Chandler Parsons or it could be they... Vince. They could go to Vince. <laughs> they could go to Vince. He is an amazing shooter. And, and, yes, you know, he is. He, he would give them plenty of shooting. Uh, I think, you know, other things that go into this, you look at the roster construction, you know, beyond Chandler Parsons and Vince Carter, you know, I think Jabari Parker is going to get substantial minutes, uh, you know, yes. of, of the guys that come off the bench. He might, he might be, you know, he might lead the bench players in minutes if, if he's coming off the bench. Well, those minutes are going to come at power forward uh, and you you can, jigger the roster a few ways from that but I you know I think one of the ways that it's going to manifest itself is that Collins is going to spend more time at center uh just roster construction there aren't a whole lot of centers on this roster uh you know they brought in Damian Jones he hasn't played a whole lot of games in his NBA career uh Alex Len had a magnificent season like just beyond my wildest expectations last year and I think he can do it again but at the same time you know, he had back things that nagged at him last season, and he's already on the injury report for back issues and a sprained left ankle. Um, you know, th- those guys, it could be Alex Len plays 60 games and Damian Jones plays 40. You know, if if you need center minutes beyond that, who else are you going to turn to? I'm, I think it's going to be Collins. And I guess my final reason for thinking it is just that you look at what he did in the last six to eight weeks of the regular season, and he finally showed some of that defensive promise uh, that I think fans have been waiting for for a while. You know, he when he talked about it today, you know, he referenced, and he said this before, but he referenced the fact that he felt a lot healthier at the end of last season than he did at the beginning. You know, he had that injury that kept him out at the beginning, and when he came back, he wasn't a very good defensive player. Well, he maybe wasn't 100%, or he, he didn't feel fully confident on the court yet. But by the end of the season, you know, he, he looked like a rim protector, which, you know, a lot of times he hasn't. Um, and I guess another thing is, and you've mentioned this a few times, I've heard you say, well, you know, Torian Prince had the same defensive rebounding rate as Jalen Adams. Um, <laughs> yes, he the did. Hawks have gotten bigger on the wing. You know, Jabari could play time at small forward. Um, Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, you know, they're big athletic wings. Um, and I, I think you can kind of play a little bit smaller at the center position if you're bigger in other places. Yeah. No, I think I agree with almost all of that. The only I'm really interested actually into how the front court is going to work. And this is probably something that people only people like you and I care about all that much. But at the same time, just kind of carving out the minutes for all of these players, because you talk about Jabari and I, I agree they invested in Jabari Parker. And for me, he is definitely a primary power forward. Like maybe they might try him at the three occasionally. But for me, he's a, he's a four. Sure. Um, so. If if you're going to try to get Jabari on the court and John Collins is starting four, you know, it's easier to do that if Collins plays more at the five. But then you do have you, you have three bodies at center. Alex Lynn, I agree, was very good last year compared to what we thought he was going to be. I think he's going to play and play a lot and play pretty well. And then you have Damian Jones, who I thought it was noteworthy at Media Day that they talked about Damian Jones kind of unprompted a lot. Mm-hmm. They brought him up a few times, sure. and I thought that was noteworthy, particularly when compared to guys like Crab and Parsons, who they didn't, who they did, who they didn't talk about at all, basically. Yep. Yep. So 
they didn't treat Jones like a throw-in guy. They treated him – I mean, again, it's a very small sample. It's one press conference, but that kind of got my attention. Um, and then you have Bruno, who they clearly like. They traded up for Bruno Fernando. He's a rookie, and I think rookie expectations should be modest usually. But he's still going to be someone that, that they're going to want to see play. So you have a lot of bodies all of a sudden in the front court. I, I think he will play more center than last year, I hope, because – this is a bigger, more physical, maybe switch, like maybe more switch possible team defensively. And if you're playing, you know, big physical forwards like you were talking about, it's easier to play Colin at center. I'm not sure he's going to get get up to that 40 percent barrier that you were talking about, just because of how many options there are. I, I that would not bother me at all. I just think there are a lot of mouths to feed here, <laughs> and Colin's playing, you know, 14 minutes a game at center means that there's only 34 to go around for the rest of the guys. And, you know, maybe that happens if you get an injury or if Bruno is just not ready yet or if they just don't want to play Damian Jones. But, you know, I have to assume Alex Len's going to play at least 20 minutes a game at center, probably more. For sure. Like he played around there last year and that was with the, with, with Devin on the roster. So if, if you pencil in Len for low 20s, like 22 to 24, there's only that many more left. And if Collins takes 14 of them, suddenly, you know, you're, you're kind of squeezing a little bit on Jones and Fernando, which, again, I'm okay with that. I just don't know what they're going to do. I'm, I'm really intrigued. I think you might be right, and, again, I hope you are because I've always wanted to see Collins play more center. And I think the roster is a little bit better set up for that now. I wish Jabari was a better defender because that would allow you to do a little <laughs> bit more because that's the problem. When, when your primary backup power forward is Jabari Parker, I'm not sure you can play a lot with Jabari and Collins at the four and the five together defensively, but maybe they're just going to want to score and fly around and maybe they'll use Hunter at the four. I mean, I think Hunter can play there. So, and he's obviously big and physical. So maybe that's the look that they want to go with is uh, not necessarily Jabari at the four with Collins, but more like someone like Hunter or, you know, maybe Vince, you dust off Vince and see what happens. I don't know. Yep. And, and I agree with you that, you know, if you try to just say, okay, here are the players that are going to be out there, you know, let's do 48 minutes times five and do a breakdown for each player. It's going to be hard to get Collins to those minutes in those games where both Len and Jones are playing. I just think there are going to be a high enough volume of games where you don't have one of Jones or Len, and I don't think Fernando is going to be ready for any kind of big load yet. And and Collins is going to pick up the slack in those games. There's just going to be enough of those games where somebody's a late scratch. Okay, what's the quick option to fix this? It's going to be Collins at center. I think that's going to happen a lot. I'm, I'm totally on board. Sign me up. Um, my second one was kind of along the lines of center, so let's just do it right now, real quickly. Okay. Um, I think I, ju- I think I just gave it away a little bit. Uh-oh. I was gonna. I'm not even sure this is a warm take or not, but I am gonna say Damian Jones plays more minutes than Bruno Fernando this year. Total. Shoot, I had forgotten this one because I had conceived it, and then when it came time to remember what to do for this podcast, that one of mine was just gonna be Damian Jones as the starter. <laughs> that that's that, that's even hotter than mine so I'll, i might have to give you the floor on this no 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 but go no, ahead I, go ahead i think I, didn't I think prep. if you told i think if you told the average hawks fan that jones is going to play more than fernando they would not be very happy with that mm-hmm. um and maybe maybe surprised and again i'm not putting too much on that press conference but i, I just think that they kind of need what jones brings sure. a lot here um and my rookie skepticism skepticism is always there i think Fernando is probably more NBA ready than, a, than an average rookie. He's, you know, physically ready more than an, an average rookie would be for sure. He's a he's a beast of a man and he played multiple years in college. And I think he's a little bit closer to ready than normal. But 
you know, if Jones is healthy, I think Jones will enter the season ahead of Fernando. That's mm-hmm. not source. No one's told me that. Right. But I'm just reading between the lines. Yeah. And if that happens, I think he'll play enough to kind of hold off Fernando. By the end of the year, I think Fernando, Fernando will be playing more when they're looking at guys more often and, um, you know, late in the year with what I think is going to happen. They won't be in the playoff chase necessarily in March and April. Right. So if that all happens – We'll see more of Fernando, but I think I would still pick Jones by a not by a huge amount, but to play more more total minutes than Bruno. I do want to hear more about what you're about to say, though, because uh, my my number one question about him starting would be: is it is it him starting as a token and Len playing more, or him playing more than Len? Because that that'd be where I would draw the line. I, I would think Len would get more minutes. Okay, then, uh, then, and, then and we'll I would take call him a token, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I just think that he might be a better fit personnel wise. Uh, you know, Len shooting with some of those guys on the bench. Um, I think that might work better. Uh, Damian Jones that, is like, kind of the know, crafty scorer start. inside who, who would benefit from having a passer like Trey Young. Uh, you know, I don't think that Alex Len actually benefits all that much with, for playing with a guy like Trey Young because as good as he is at a lot of things, he doesn't have good hands. And to be useful with Trey Young, You've got to have good hands. You've got to catch the ball. You've got to be expecting the ball when you least expect it because he's one of the three best passers in the league today. Um, yep. And so, you know, Joan Jones has nice touch around the rim. Um, I think if you want to play him, if you do want to use Jones, you know, teams are typically big in their starting lineups and then they kind of get a little bit smaller off the bench and at crunch time. And I just think that, you know, you know, can, can get those Kendrick Perkins minutes, if you will. Um, you know, yeah, just, I was going to say. Starting the game, rebounding, giving some defense, get a few buckets around the rim, junk buckets. And then, you know, late in the game when you need a center, maybe it's Len, maybe it's John Collins. But it would not shock me if, if Damian Jones was a starter. And uh, Alex Len, you know, told me the other day, he's like, yeah, I, I really want to be the starter. He, You know, he didn't say if he knew if he would be or not, but he was certainly something he would look forward to. But. I mean, I think if you explain to Lynn that it's a better fit, he'll get more shots playing off the bench. Um, and he probably will get more minutes at the center position than anybody else. But if you, you do this and coming off the bench, I think it would be good for you and the team. I think he might do it. I don't know. It would certainly check a lot of boxes. You know, it would help the spacing on the second unit with Len shooting. Um, you know, like you said, Jones – it's probably more of a traditional fit with Trey Young, you know, and famously Jones, it's all very small sample stuff, but sure. Jones numbers in golden state were much better when he played with Curry, <laughs> you know, part of that's just Curry being awesome, <laughs> that's, but that's they did have a good true for every human being on the planet. Brian. Yeah. I mean, but if you watch it and again, I'm not an expert on Damian Jones by any means. I've watched as much as I could over the summer after he, after they traded for him, but I've not seen every minute of his career. Like I have with some of these guys. Um, but you know, but still, I think, you could sort of see the theory of that as a as a as a pick and roll dive man finisher around the rim type. He's a better athlete than Alex Len is, um, so you know that wouldn't stun me. I, I wouldn't project it because I just think Len is significantly better, For and sure. Len is going to be a free agent. I'm sure he wants to start, and there's dynamics beyond that. But you know, I don't hate the fit of it. What you're saying, I'm interested to see what you think. I know we haven't seen him a ton, but when I, when I did the Dunked On podcast, Nate, who has you know he's, he's in Oakland and has seen allowed Damian Jones, he was really critical of his defense. Mm-hmm. And I was interested by that because I actually thought Jones was not terrible defensively. He has a high, he has a really, he has a really high foul rate, but I was like kind of taken aback 
with how bad Nate thought he was on defense in Golden State. Right. If that's true, then you're in some trouble. Um, <laughs> if my if my again limited sample of eyeballs is more accurate, then you could probably get away with that. But if he's truly bad defensively, then the fit is a little bit less ideal. But I'm with you. I get it. I guess that was yours and not mine. Yeah, use use that as mine because <laughs> oh, you, no. you have you have extras. So oh oh okay um. Uh, mine is that uh, somebody from the 60-win Hawks teams will win a championship this year. Okay, so the options are... I mean, the 60-win the Hawks had a had a crazy summer. Like, Paul Millsap just said that the Nuggets, this year's Nuggets are the best team he's ever been on, or the most talented team he's ever been on. I think I would agree with the second part of that. Not the best team, but the most... He, I think they have more talent than that. Yeah, no, he, he, his phrasing was most talented. Uh, the, okay, 70, the 76ers have Al Horford. And they have Mike Scott and Elton Brand as the general manager. <laughs> Legend. Uh, Al Horford is a 76er. I, that just, I have until, not until we see it, it's going to be really weird. And even, even then, it'll be uh, strange. I, I mean, it, it took a while for us to get used to him in Boston, and now he's in a different spot, and it's even weirder. So, yeah. Kyle Korver's a buck with Budenholzer. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say, I mean, basically, you're getting a lot of outs here. With the way that you, I didn't think about this till right now, like you said it, if you get you're you're getting you're getting you're getting Denver, Milwaukee, and Philly. Yeah, that's a pretty good. Wait, I get Oklahoma true. City. Dennis Schroeder is Chris Paul's you don't, backup. You don't need you don't need Oklahoma City. Mike I, Muscala I is going to be playing with Dennis Schroeder again. Uh, I wrote I wrote up a uh, an, an aggregation thing this week for for Dime about how Oklahoma City was going to play all three point cards together. Can you imagine uh, Chris Paul? Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder on the court at the same time. Oof. Billy Donovan can. He can. He told the media. All right. But no, I'm. Uh, I, I got I, Shelvin I mean, Mack and Olympiacos. <laughs> I kind of <I> <laughs> like your. Uh, I mean, oh, you also get Bays. You get Portland. I mean, I they're, not, they're not going to win it. Kent Bays more on Portland. I haven't got my head, wrapped my head around that one at all either. Yeah, that's going to be weird. But no, you, you get three. You have three legitimate contenders. So I don't think you're crazy there. I, I think. And and to, to double fact check here, nobody from that sixty win team has won a championship yet. Is that correct? Or after at least since then, right? I don't believe so. Looking at this list, uh, no, I don't think so. Unless Austin Day was on a team that I was unaware of. Um, was Austin Day uh, on, a, on a? No, that would have been he later. Have been on a championship but, before he got here, or something. So like a yeah, Spurs I was thinking about like a Spurs team. That's what I thought too. But no, I think you're. I think you're in the clear on this, because uh, Kyle wasn't in Cleveland until after they won. Yeah, Corver so, didn't win one. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he can't he got there the next year. Damari. Oh, you get Damari too. I get Demar. I have not wrapped Tokyo. my head around Damari Carroll as a spur, right? Spurs. Jeff Teagan, Minnesota. Yeah, Carl, not, that's not going to happen. I mean, uh, no, I'm I'm with. It's, it's basically three. It's basically three teams. If you want to get to four, you would take Portland with Bays. I'll take uh, Portland just because I, the Warriors are. They're not the Warriors this year. It's it, it's. Your I've your never biggest been a big Portland believer, but I yeah that's true. Your biggest threat is the Clippers, and I guess the Lakers. Those would be the two that you'd be real worried about. I'm Who else am I missing? About the Lakers, they just don't have enough NBA players. Yeah, I'm with you on this, but the, the Clippers are the scary. Clippers are scary. Yeah, but yeah, that's it. I like that prediction. It's kind of off the wall. I wasn't expecting it, but I, I like that one. <laughs> um. Okay. I have. I only have one more. 
I don't maybe, have maybe one more too. I think so. Maybe I'll maybe I'll think of uh, of another one. Um, I'm not even sure how hot this how hot this take is. Um, DeAndre Hunter finishes top three in rookie of the year voting. He's not going to win it because the numbers aren't going to be there. He's but, probably not even going to finish ahead of Zion just because the, the eyeballs will be on yeah. Zion. I mean, he's he's not going to win it, but because the numbers aren't there. But the the argument that I would make is that a this is not a great class, so that's part of it. I don't think aside from Zion, there isn't a lock to finish top three. I think Morant and Barrett will be the guys people talk about. But I think it, I think voters are going to notice that Hunter is a pretty good right away and B he's going to be efficient and he's going to play a ton. He's going to be a starter, right? There's no yeah. doubt about that. I think, I mean, I'm not sure there's no doubt cause he, we just haven't heard him say it yet, but oh, for sure. But... I, will be, I will be stunned if he's not starting. Yeah. That's, that's what um, I was, that's I guess that. they could go with Bembry just out of seniority, but I would not do that. I would go with Hunter. Um, so yeah, I, I think the recipe for this to come to fruition is Hunter playing like 2,000 minutes or more? Like Hunter, like like Kevin Hurd did last year, like Mal, like uh, Mikael Bridges did last year, like just playing a huge role, being pretty efficient and being the second best defensive player of all the rookies, maybe even the best as a rookie. I think Zion's upside's higher, but I think Hunter might be the most polished already and might be just come in like he, I think he's going to come in NBA ready defensively, at least on the ball. He'll have to learn some stuff off the ball, but. Yeah, that combination. Maybe I'm giving voters too much credit, but I think him just kind of being solid and playing a ton and being on a team that's fun to watch will get him noticed. And it's also me fading R.J. Barrett, (laughs) (laughs) who I think is going to be like actively bad as a rookie. I think Barrett's going to be good eventually. (laughs) I really do. But I think he's going to be so bad as a rookie, like just efficiency wise. He won't be as bad as like Kevin Knox was last year, but he'll be he's going to struggle, I think. And that team around him, talking about Barrett now, was not built with him in mind. They have a bunch of guys who can't shoot, who are power forwards, and he really needs spacing. He's not going to have any spacing. No. So Zion's going to win it, barring some, barring an injury. I think Zion's going to win it, even if he, even if it's close at all, Zion's going to win. Yes. Um, And I think he probably will deserve it too. But yep. uh, Yeah, I think I would pick Hunter third right now which might be a hot take but i like the other quite a bit i always have i'm in that's fair yeah that's that's warm Certainly i mean first team all rookie just, it didn't seem warm enough because I, I i would flat out project that like not even as yeah. a warm take yeah first team all rookie but it gets it gets warmer if you go top three so that's that's why i did that that's fair uh i'm out of ideas kevin it's all, all right. you have you have, to, you have to carry me now jabari parker is going to be really good Define really good for me. It's important. Uh, he'll be. Oh, wow. Because I, I, by the way, I, just for, before we start, I'm not opposed to this. I actually think this could easily work. And if you look at what he did in Washington instead of Chicago, correct. Like he was pretty, pretty he was good. Pretty solid in Washington. Defensively, not so much, but he overall offensive efficiency wise, like he was actually good in Washington. Yeah. I, I think he's an excellent fit beside Trey young. And again, I know that Trey young is going to be the starter and Jabari is almost certainly coming off the bench. Uh, but I think they'll play a number of minutes together. 
he's the best point guard that Jabari's ever played with, and it's not close. I think if you look at what Parker does, honestly, I think the best thing that he does is just score around the rim. Uh, I know he can do a lot with the ball in his hands. He can create offense for you if you need that. Uh, but I just think he has very good touch around the rim. Um, he's an explosive vertical athlete. Uh, you're just seeing that come back after multiple knee surgeries. It's crazy that he's 24 and this he's been in the league for five years now. There um, were so many laughs on Friday about how young Parker still is because somebody asked us the question. Like even Pearson and Swank were like, you guys, he's only 24 years old. Everybody remember this. He's only 24 he's years like old. Two and years older than like Hunter. I mean, he's, he's not that much older than him. Yeah. I mean, Hunter is, yeah, that's when you, when you put it that way, it's even, it's almost even crazier, but I, yeah, that's, I just think he's true. You just look at the history of coaches that he's had point guards that he's had. He has not been in ideal situations. Agreed. Um, he's played next to Brandon Knight. He's played for Jason Kidd. Everything about the Chicago situation situation was kind of a fiasco. Um, and then he just find he found that little bit of stability last season. And I think that we, I think that that stint that he had in Washington is going to be really good for his frame of mind. Just to know that hey, you know what, I I can do this. Um, that wasn't a super talented. Wizards team either and they didn't have a whole lot to play for at the end of the season and I don't really trust uh, March April basketball for a bunch of statistics but you know just kind of eye test for some of the things that he did and just kind of taking the context around him for the entirety of his NBA career I just think that he's due for a breakout and you know if he has one monster year in Atlanta and leaves Everybody's like, well, why did you waste the money? And why did you waste the cap space on Jabari? I think it's a good thing. It's kind of like Dwayne Dedman or Alex Len or some of these other guys. Like, if you have a redemptive tale that happens in your backyard, that's good for your reputation. And eventually the Hawks want to be recruiting the top tier free agents. Well, you know, if you want to get the A1 free agents, you've got to start by making this place a good place for the free agents that you do get and the guys that you get via trade who haven't had productive NBA careers. And if they become an NBA player who is extremely productive for you, even if they go somewhere else, that adds to the Atlanta reputation. And, you know, if that happens for Jerry Parker, I think it'll be a really good thing both for Parker and, and the Hawks. And, you know, he, he might want to stay. I mean, he's been to three cities already before getting to Atlanta. I don't think any of them were the ideal situation for him. I mean, sometimes a player will test it out, find out that he likes it, and say, you know what, uh, you know, all things being equal, I'd rather be here than anywhere else, and that could lead him to staying. But uh, I, I just think that the, the conditions are right, coaching-wise, point guard-wise, health-wise, for him to have a few things that he hasn't had in other places. Yeah, no, I, I totally – I totally get it. I, I candidly didn't love that signing, just the way that it happened. But if the, what I consistently have said since that happened is that a he's still really talented, because that's true, and b, you know, the system stuff that you were saying, the culture stuff, like he's been in some bad spot. He's been coached poorly, like Jason Kidd. Yeah, um, he's not ever had the stability that he's going to have in Atlanta, and I think it's going to work out. And you know, your point about Deadman and other guys like Alex Lynn, those guys are already being already being used as success stories in pitches. I'm sure of it. For sure. Like and they should be. Like Alex Lynn was a bust in capital letters in Phoenix. 
And yeah, he was a top five pick. He's not going to be that guy. He shot better from three not, than Devin Booker last year. Yeah, I mean, he, he's now <laughs> Alex Len. Whatever you think of Alex Len, he is a competent NBA rotation player right oh, now. Sure. And he was he was not that before he got to Atlanta. So, and Devin obviously just had two incredible seasons, became a solid starter where that was not what the um, baseline was for him coming into Atlanta. He's now a solid starter or better in the NBA. And that happened um, on Atlanta's watch. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the theory of that. And, you know, it's interesting. I think they're going to have to kind of let him cook on the second unit. And that makes some sense. They're going to need him to be good. That's kind of the, the sticky thing for me is that they're going to need him to score and have the ball in his hands a lot, yeah. I think. And we'll see how that works. Oh, by the way, um, to the point about how he's so young, you ready for this one? I, I'm not sure it's going to surprise you, but I'm sure some listeners will be surprised. Um, DeAndre Bembry is eight months older than Jabari Parker. Yeah. DeAndre Bembry, again, is on his rookie contract yeah. and is eight months older <laughs> than Jabari Parker is. So that's just a little bit of context for people because I know some Hawks fans still treat Bembry as this like young player. When he's kind of not like he's he's 25 <laughs> years old already. I know he's on a rookie contract, and I get that's why he, he's discussed that way. And, I, and I've always loved DeAndre. Like I, I get it. But if you're going to treat him that way as a young, you know, upside guy or whatever he's looked at as, Jabari Parker is younger and a lot more talented. So uh, I think we'll see if it works. I wish he shot the ball better recently. You know, the defense is just kind of what it is. He's been terrible, and you're just hoping that he buys in a little bit and just gets to be where he's not going to kill you defensively. I think that's just kind of the one thing that we always talk about, but the shooting is a swing element for Parker because a couple years there in Milwaukee, he shot very well from three. It wasn't huge volume. It was like 37%. But before that and after it, it's not been good. So (laughs) I'm curious to see how that, how that part looks. He doesn't necessarily need it, but if you're going to have him on the court with your starters, sometimes it'd be very nice if Parker could also just be a four spacer. Like, I think he's going to have the ball in his hands on the second unit and kind of let him do what he does and get his. But if you're going to play him alongside Trey and some of your starters, it would really help if Parker was suddenly a like solid or better three point shooter as well. Yeah. And he's flashed it before. We're just not sure if he has that or not. That's a bit. And full circle from the beginning of this podcast, they could use the spacing because there, there's some spacing questions. And if he's not a question that would help a lot. And when you say have the ball in his hands, like, I think people visualize the worst in that. Like, yeah, not he's a guard. very good player <laughs> as, like, working from the elbow in, like, dribble handoffs and things like that because, you know, he can roll hard and do incredibly athletic things. He can, you know, he can fake a dribble handoff and turn that into his own drive. He's got really good passing touch. So, you know, as just kind of a playmaker within the context of an offense – um, you know, just kind of playing like a power forward, right? Not really like a small forward, but like a big, like Al Horford almost working from the elbow. Um, you know, he yeah, can like do a adva- lot of advantage things in scoring, that context. Yeah, advantage scoring, a nice mid-range game, finishing at the rim. You know, people have almost forgotten this now, but he did kind of break out in Milwaukee. You know, it was it was basically, you know, it was his last two seasons in Milwaukee, he played a combined 82 games right. because of injury, and obviously the injury stuff is out there, but... In those 82 games, which is across two seasons, he had an 18.5 PER, a true shooting percentage of 56% on 26% usage. 
like that's not quite star level, but like that's right. That's like, that's like right below that offensively. He was basically a number two option offensively and was good at it in Milwaukee. That's not that long ago. Like no. he averaged 20 points a game for a season and did it, and did it efficiently. That happened. He did that. Now, is that guy gone? I don't think so. I don't think he's like fully gone. He's not going to do that here, clearly, unless something happens to John Collins. But the fact that he – it's not just a full-on bet on potential. Like, we've, we've kind of seen Jabari Parker be a very high-usage, high, at least reasonable efficiency score in the NBA. It's, it's, we, it's on tape. It's just that he's had a lot of ups and downs before, after, injury stuff, defensive stuff. But the offensive part of the game – I think he's clearly just got a ton of scoring talent and that's what you're betting on. And that's why I say have the ball in his hands on the second unit, because if you don't have Trey on the court, we talked about that a ton already. I'm not sure there's another guy on your, on your second unit that you can, you can just kind of throw the ball to and say, go get me a bucket. Mm-hmm. And Jabari kind of is that guy for you. He's not going to, he's not going to bring the ball up the court, but if you get, if you get in the bind in the half court offense with without Trey on, on the floor, your best option might be to just give the ball to Jabari Parker and have him create a, you know, an, an average shot for you. Yep. There are worse things than having a guy that can do that. There, there's a, there's a lot of utility. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not disposed to loving, you know, score first and kind of do nothing else kind of guys, but there is utility in having a player that can just go out and score for you. And he can do that. For sure. And if you, you stack, you know, I think the defense. Uh, you, if you look at the bench lineups, I think they're going to be some of the better defensive lineups for the Hawks. And so, you know, if, you, if you put that kind of unit around him, it can be useful. Like, I'm not going to be floored if he averages like 17 and a half points a game. Like, that probably sounds like a lot, but I mean, that's more than I would think. But just, I know, but I just it's just minutes. Honestly, it's not it, on a permanent basis. I think that's not at all crazy. I just I'm not 100 percent sure how much he's going to play. Like, if he plays. Let's say, I mean, what do you estimate? I'm going to project him for like low 20s in minutes. Yeah, I think it's going to be more than that. I just think it's, like I said, and that's, I think it, Collins it, If is it is more than that, center. he's going to score a lot. I, I mean, <laughs> if he's I think playing he, 20 by 20, 20, like 26, 27 minutes a game, the numbers are going to follow. He, I think this, he might. It's not, it's not crazy. If you think Collins is going to play more center, which is what you said before, then, you know, the next best power forward on this team is Jabari Parker. So I don't think they're, I don't think they're itching to have tons of Evan Turner and I don't know I yeah I, I think I do think they're going to probably try to use him a lot yeah Maybe I, I wouldn't blame them necessarily I, I think defensively it's going to be a, interesting to see but <laughs> he's certainly if you're if you're just looking at your most talented offensive players on this roster you don't have to go very far to get to, to get to Jabari Parker <laughs> he's fourth or fifth offense no. just offense only just offense like, only sure He's oh, probably yeah. fourth. Probably fourth, yeah. <laughs> in terms of just talent. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, there's an argument if he's if he's his old self that he could be even higher than that. But yeah. I think you would put him you would I was I would put him fourth on an offense only list. If you just ignore the other, other end of the floor and assume he's healthy, he's a really talented offensive player. So if they're leaning into that and kind of just recognizing their flaws in other ways and trying to paper paper over that with with a good offense, playing him more. It's going to help your offense. It probably hurt your defense, but you know. I think he's going to be. I don't know. I also, honestly, defensively, I think you know. He, obviously, you look at what he's done, and you can think he can be better. And I think he will be better. Like he I, ha- he has to be because he'll like, be coached. But yeah, that, that's a big he's, swing. He's got a, This is the best coach he's ever had, and this is the best situation he's ever had, other than maybe, you know, 
Milwaukee just by virtue of the fact that he was playing with Giannis and, you know, he was young. And he, if you look maybe before he had his first knee injury, just, you know, he was a focal point. So that was a good situation. But I think this is really he, the he best was, situation he's had. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember who – I think it was might have been Nate and Danny again. Talking, like, during the one – the one playoff run when he was when he was healthy, mm-hmm. he actually tried on defense. Yeah, and I think he can do that. I just and here's the other. It's kind of like, like Torian Prince. <laughs> look look I, at the top three picks in that draft. Okay, right. Wiggins, Wiggins, Wiggins Parker, and B. Yeah. What did Wiggins make? A lot. What of money. did Embiid make? A lot and of money. And what's the contract that Jabari Parker just signed? I bet he's like internally like, I mean, some of it, so much of it is just the bad luck of injuries, but. And he also signed that really weird, like two-year, forty million dollar, but it was a non-guarantee or a team opt or something weird on the second year of that contract. Yeah, it was a. I just yeah, think he, that there's, you know, he, when I was nineteen, I was a dumbass. When I was twenty, I was a dumbass. <laughs> when I was twenty-five, I wasn't a dumbass. And you yep. know, I just think the time has come. You know, he's twenty-four. He's seen so much. You know, he he has to look at those players that were chosen in the draft with him and just be like, I on, I can't believe this. Like, how did that happen to them and this happened to me? Like, I just think he's going to grow up and just be a very productive NBA player and just kind of say, you know what, screw it, we're going to do it. I mean, he, he didn't have, obviously, Wiggins doesn't have the injury history. Nope. But you could certainly argue that Parker, in his best season in Milwaukee, is better than Wiggins has ever been. Oh, for sure. I So... Yeah. You know that's that's a one to one that doesn't really matter necessarily, but yeah, to your point, I, I I agree, and I said it a second ago, but it's not a perfect comp, but a recent example of a player who should have been a lot better on defense was the starting small forward last season for this Hawks team. <laughs> uh, and granted, granted, Prince was supposed to be a defensive player more than Parker was. Like right. Parker coming into the league, it's a different position too, like small forward is. versus power forward. You've got to well, be very talented to defend small forwards in this league. To yeah, be a defensive I mean, power forward, I think he has enough raw physical tools. And I don't know. Like, if I were asking right, no, Jabari I mean, Parker to defend small forwards, I would feel bad about it. But yeah, defending don't, power don't. forwards, <laughs> I, I think he can do it. Yeah, I would not ask him to have a tough assignment every night. But And again, the Prince comp was not, right. it's not anything more than just the recent Hawks comp. But it's an effort thing. Parker... I don't think he's ever going to be a good defender, like in capital letters, good. Right. But if he just buys in and tries, he's physically capable of being okay. Right. And, and I, I think that with Prince too. I sometimes I just I don't know. I don't know if Torian Prince is a small forward. I don't know why people have pegged him to that. I think I mean, he, he didn't was, have to be a better rebounder to be a power. Yeah, forward. he was an over. I mean, I, I I begged for him to play power forward for a while. Um, and then I kind of realized that they couldn't play him there because he could because he didn't rebound and he didn't defend. But Prince coming out of college was supposed to be a defensive stopper, and Bud kind of used him that way as a rookie as like the energy defender. But honestly, that was the one time, yeah. He's not as good of an athlete as everyone thinks he is. I know, I know, you know that. Like he's not a great athlete. He's right. a pretty average athlete, mm-hmm. um, which holds him back. Whereas Parker, you know, Parker at this point with all the knee stuff is probably not a hugely explosive athlete. He's like a, but, he, he's a weird case to me because I think he's super explosive vertically, but he just doesn't have like the ground quickness to go side to yeah, side. Yeah, quick twitch, horizontal, like he's also had, he's not always been in the greatest shape. I thought he looked, we, you and I both commented on that. I think he, I thought he looked pretty he good, good. today. <laughs> um, so yeah, good. that's, that's a small thing, but 
it's not a bad thing to look good. Like we've noted when people, when guys didn't look so good, um, and that did not apply to Jabari. So hopefully that's a good sign for you too. So yeah, I, I think you're a little bit higher on what he could be in Atlanta, but I generally agree that it's a talent play and it could certainly work out to the point where if nothing else, he's giving you scoring pretty efficiently that you can use. And I think him buying in would go a long way. Are you watching baseball? Um, I Out of the can't actually. Oh. In my my mini recording setup, um, wow. look behind the curtain here. I'm actually uh, in a basically a closet. So whenever I record, I can't watch anything. It's unfortunate, but wow. just the reality. I I am following baseball on my phone and stuff as we talk. But who's who's ahead? Um, Milwaukee as we record oh. and. Braves fans love the Nationals, so they'll probably be really upset with that. Um, but some people listen to this. Maybe the maybe the Nationals came back and people will get mad. But um, yeah, that's what's happening. Uh, you you're around at last thing. I mean, last thing for me anyway. I want to ask you this. You're around training camp a lot more than I'm going to be because I can't get there necessarily during the day. What do you what's what, what are you looking for? like this week and the preseason, like what do you beyond the, is there anything beyond the obvious that you're just like really interested in that we haven't talked about? I mean, we didn't get to see a whole lot today. They basically did some maybe 10 minutes of drills that were kind of just three man and four man fast breaks, just kind of passing the ball until they get to a layup. And then they did free throws today, which honestly, you know, I've, seen so many free throws <laughs> under bud that even preseason though like i, I know tra- training camp for people that don't know people don't maybe they, maybe they don't they don't understand this they're not going to let you and i watch a ton of practice it's right. not really how that works i mean sometimes like, we see like sometimes they'll let us in like and it's different like when budenholzer was the coach i saw nothing there was one time bud let me see like a four-on-four scrimmage and it was like the greatest thing in the world they let us in sometimes to see like a five on five scrimmage. Yeah, so that might happen like now, once a month sure. under under Pierce. But like under Budenholzer, it just didn't happen. But most of the time, you know, they finish with shooting. It's a lot more interesting when they finish with three point shooting. When they finish with free throws, it's just boring as heck. There's just so little to gain out of watching somebody shoot a free throw. There's basically um, nothing to gain from that. Yeah. Because <laughs> even even so, the worst even the worst big man free throw shooter looks like a pretty good shooter in practice. It's just exactly. It and so I was I was kind of trained on Cam Reddish, and I was like, okay, you know, he's almost done with his free throw shooting. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on him. You know, does he go up to just screw around and throw a dunk or something when he's done shooting free throws on his way out of the building? And I, from what I saw, he didn't. So, yeah, I didn't really get a whole lot of takeaway from, from what I saw today. And that's was, kind of what I thought. Yeah, but. And I was also kind of watching Jabari in the drills, in, you know, in those three-on-three drills. I was also, you know, I, I – when, when we went in today, you know, there were maybe 15, 16 players who were in practice actively doing things, and, you know, they were split into, like, three teams. So one of the teams was, like, Evan Turner, Jabari Parker, Cam Reddish. Uh, and it's like, okay, you can kind of see that, that he might be pairing some of those guys because those are the ones who are going to be his bench unit. And then the, the starters were, like, the starters, but they didn't have John Collins on that team, which was a little bit weird. But it was like Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Kevin Herter. So just going from the, the practice jerseys, you know, they kind of had Hunter going with the starters, which I thought was a little bit interesting. And they had Reddish going with the bench guys, which I thought was interesting. 
I that, mean, that was that was my that, honestly that was probably the biggest takeaway was just kind of reading the color of the jersey. <laughs> that's probably what I would do. I mean, honestly, and, and none of that's terribly surprising. I think you'd want to see Hunter with the guys he's sure. going to play with a lot. But yeah, it's little stuff like that. I think people don't always know what we're looking for. Um, even preseason game. I mean, we're going to see a game on Monday. I, I'm going to be there. I'm assuming you're going to be there as well. We're going to see Zion for a few minutes and we'll see preseason basketball on Monday. I, I'm not really sure what I'm, I mean, I think Reddish is by far the most, the most interesting yeah. person in training camp. And Parker for me. Yep. Yeah. Those, those two guys are too. kind of the ones I'm looking forward to. I mean, obviously Hunter would be interesting to see what he looks like um, after a full summer. And yeah, I, I feel bad, but I really care a lot less about the returning guys in preseason. We just don't learn a ton about them. I mean, mm -hmm. it'd be nice to see John Collins be healthy and just kind of be John Collins. Same with Herter and same with Len. But I'm much more interested in guys who are coming here for the first time because we just kind of know, at least we have a pretty good idea of what Trey Young is going to look like. Right. Um, and preseason doesn't going to tell you anything pro or con with Trey Young or John Collins. It's going to be all about the young guys and the new guys, and we'll see. But, all right. Well, let's get there. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, Kevin. We've <laughs> we've we I think we've we've completed a crossover podcast. So uh, I right. appreciate you joining me and me joining you and all that fun stuff. We'll do this again very all soon. Right. Take care, Brad. You as well.